This is the All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. You can find the show on Twitter at All Around Guy Podcast One, and you can email the show at All Around Guy Podcast at gmail.com. Week 14 in the National Football League, which features 14 games this week. Really a slow start most of the morning today with the early slate game not giving us much action till the end of the game, most notably the Browns and Ravens. We saw the Washington football team, which is a team that I love in my all-around five coming into this, make a huge push at the end to challenge the Cowboys. And then even though, even though the Jaguars didn't do anything on their field, Really the clown of the year, Urban Meyer, had a lot to say posting that we'll get into as we recap all the games from this week 14 NFL Sunday. Stay with us right here on the All Around Guy podcast. My name's Mitchell Stevens. The week 14 All Around 5 went 3-2, and two, so above 500 and a winning record for this week. One of which being an asterisk, which we'll get to as we're about to go game by game from all of the action on Sunday afternoon. Browns Ravens. The story of this game being Lamar Jackson leaving the game early when he got to the sideline, he had to be carted off the field, brought into the locker room. Early reports are it's a low ankle sprain. But the second big story of this game, the Cleveland Browns offense unable to score any points in the second half, which kept Baltimore in this game. Who but Justin Tucker? to kick and have his team recover an onside kick, which gave the Ravens one last chance at the end of the game to try and get a field goal, which we know Mr. Automatic Justin Tucker would have made. They couldn't move the ball in the field goal range. The Browns hold on to win after zero second half points and win 24-22. The Browns are 7-6. and six. The Ravens are 8-5. and five. Nobody wants to win the AFC North. Maybe they just want to give Big Ben a little present, possibly in his last year with the Steelers, maybe in the league, to say, Here, here's, one last, here's one last divisional title. Um, this would have been a huge game for the Ravens to really take control of it, especially with the Bengals playing a tough game in San Francisco, which we'll get to in a little bit, to really own the AFC North and someone look like they want to win. They were unable to. The feeling of that game, especially even before the onside kick, was is Cleveland going to Cleveland and find a way to lose this game? Baker Mayfield playing in a contract year. At that point, you're in complete control against your divisional rival, Baltimore Ravens, and you go out in the second half and score zero points. Even though the Browns win, that's got to be a big factor heading into this offseason as Baker Mayfield gets ready to negotiate a possible contract extension in Cleveland. The zero-point second-half divisional opponent in December, even though you eke out a win, isn't going to do it. One thing remained a constant, though, in this game is that Justin Tucker is... I still put Adam Benatieri as my best kicker of all time with just too many clutch kicks, but Justin Tucker will go down as probably the second-best kicker of all time. Just... Mr. Clutch doing it all. Onside kick recovery. He started a trend today as there was another game in which there was an onside kick recovery, which you feel like you just never see in the league. Browns hold on even with zero second half points scored. Jags Titans. Continuing his reputation as the biggest douchebag in football, even with all the college coaches that people are mad about, Brian Kelly moving, 
somehow turning into a fake accent, Lincoln Riley dump into USC, all the money that's going on in college athletics. Urban Meyer remains the biggest douchebag in all of football. There was reports this week about how he grilled his assistant coaches in a meeting this week, asking them to defend his resume because he's the only winner in that room. I wish I was in that room to look at Urban and say, hey, you hired me. You already know my resume. Why are you now asking me to defend it? It gets even better as the Jags get shut out. They lose 20 to nothing against the Titans in postgame. Some reporters are asking about those reports and Urban Meyer, quote, what's the answer? Starting leaking some information or nonsense? That's garbage. As if there is a source, then that source is unemployed. I mean, within seconds. Urban Meyer taking a hard crackdown on the no leak stance. Might be a little too late for him as clearly there's some leaks, some people that that culture is dysfunctional. I'm so excited because you know this is just the tipping point. You know there's going to be so much more coming out. He's got an owner who's very loyal, especially for pro sports and especially for NFL standards. So that may buy him another year. And that could be why we see a leak or multiple leaks trying to push these stories to get Urban out of Jacksonville faster. And he's not just leaking and looking like he's acting like the biggest douchebag in all of football, which is a title that's going to be really hard to take from him the way he's going this year. The other, the other story of this at the end of the game is Urban gave maybe a handshake, kind of shrugged Vrabel at the end of the game, which, which is interesting, not just because it's Urban Meyer being the normal douchebag that he is, but Vrabel got his coaching career star as a linebacker's coach at Ohio State with Meyer. So disrespectful. You know, Meyer gives him a start. There's some relationship there, but you know, with how Meyer's going, no surprise there. Um, being a sore loser, shrugging off Rabel so he can go continue giving us just the beauties of quotes and stories that he continues to do. My favorite douchebag in football, maybe all of sports right now, is Urban Meyer. I'm excited to see what else comes out of Jacksonville with the dysfunction that he's running down there. The other part of this is Tennessee moves to 9-4. and four. They're right up there with New England atop the AFC. We know Derrick Henry's been out. Foreman had 47 rushing yards and a touchdown. The big thing is you get Julio Jones back, so now you get Ryan Tannehill some weapons left. It's clear that Tennessee doesn't have a solution at running back, so they're going to need Tannehill. They're going to need Brown healthy. They're going to need Julio Jones healthy if they want to make a push come January. So the Titans have a couple games here towards the end of the year to get their offense right. Raiders Chiefs. I gave you this one in the all-around five coming into this weekend. It's a winner. The Chiefs cover big. They came out of the gate fast and win 48-9. And the Chiefs, who everybody back in October was down about, they're quietly 9-4. and four, And they're peaking at the right time of year. Kansas City is officially dangerous. And with how many people were down on them back in October, they may, they're too good of a team to be in that category of teams you don't want to play. Because nobody ever, you, you can't be a team you don't want to see and be a favorite, but they're peaking at the right time. Oakland, the magic of an interim head coach, definitely appears to be gone. S sloppy game from them. They were down early in the first quarter. Couldn't slow down Kansas City at all. The Chiefs, are, the Chiefs look like they're back to doing whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. And they're peaking in the second week of December, getting ready for the most important part of the year. I'm all over Kansas City for the rest of the year. 
They really seem to have learned their lesson. And the key is, and this is what I said in the first show with Andy Reid, he learned, took him a minute, adapted, has this team rolling. Saints Jets. Hot start for the all-around five. This was the other for the Saints to cover the Jets. And the Jets, I said, I think are the worst team in football. The Saints moved to six and seven, hanging on to contention for that seventh wild card spot in the NFC. They went 30 to nine. It was a slow start in that first half, but again, the Jets we knew really couldn't, weren't going to be able to score points. It was just a matter of time before the Saints and Taysom Hill were able to start doing something with him being able to run the ball. They got Kamara back, who was the key to this game. Over 100 yards rushing, found the end zone. Good to see him back in healthy legs. The Saints are a real threat for that last spot, mostly because you got Sean Payton coaching, Kamara stays healthy. Give me those two the rest of the year. I like the Saints to grab one of those last playoff spots. I don't think they're going to do anything beyond that. They'll be a 500 team, maybe just above 500 getting into the playoffs, but good to have Kamara back. The Jets, well, at this point for the rest of the year, them, Detroit, and Houston can battle for that, that first overall pick in the NFL draft. Cowboys Washington football team. So technically, this will go down as a loss in the all-around five. The Dallas Cowboys against the Washington football team. I love the football team to cover four and a half at home. And I'm putting a big, fat asterisk next to this one. So the Cowboys came out, and my goodness, they were all over the football team early. It was getting ugly. But as I put out on our Twitter account, if there's any team that I love to blow a big lead, it's a Mike McCarthy coach football team. And oh boy, did he almost do it for us again. The Cowboys this morning were announced that they ruled out Pollard for the game, which was huge. And Ezekiel Elliott was only able to rush for 45 yards on 12 carries. Washington had a two-point attempt and an extra point miss in this game. But looking at this Cowboys team, again, I said last week, I think it's disrespectful to not consider Zeke a top five running back in the league. But you really saw that not having Tony Pollard to balance out that running attack and some of his explosiveness is, is really huge because, again, Zeke's workload was limited with only 12 carries. And it, that's what allowed Washington to come back into this game. Dak threw a really bad pick six, which, again, right, it's, it's easy to look at that. Dak throws that pick six. That gets the football team right back in it. They make a big stop on third and five to get the ball back. But but really what it comes down to is the fact that with a big lead heading into the second half that the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott, they're not able to run the game out. That should be run, 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 quick passing game, stay in bounds, keep the clock running. Tony Pollard would have had a huge impact on this game if he was able to play. If Tony Pollard plays... The football team don't get a chance to come back because the Cowboys are able to stay ball control. They're able to keep the clock running. They're able to limit the football team's possessions. Dak doesn't have to throw as much, which created that opportunity for the interception that was a really nice return for six points for the football team. But give them credit. Ron Rivera's team plays hard for all 60 minutes. That mentality, they didn't fold when really in the first half, Man, Dallas was all over them doing what they want to do, but they need to figure out in the second half, similar to what happened with Cleveland, is how are we going to close out games if Ezekiel Elliott isn't going to be able to run the way we know he can? 
Well, the answer has been Tony Pollard. He was unable to go, and this really let the football team back into this game. It's a loss. It was our first one of the day for the all-around five. But, man, Washington had plenty of chances not only to tie this game and maybe win it outright, but to at least cover. Tough beat for the all-around five. Falcons, Panthers. Coming into the day, this was the biggest who cares game. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, no, I probably have to care about this game because the winner gets to six and seven. And they're right in that last wild card spot playoff picture for the NFC now with the 17 playoff picture. So the Falcons win at 29-21. They're able to get the six and seven. The Panthers fall to five and eight. And really, to me, this game just came down to the veteran quarterback in this game won the game. And Matt Ryan played like the true veteran that he is. Cam Newton, who, again, the Panthers off to a hot start as well. Cam Newton with a touchdown, but then second half, second quarter threw a bad pick six for the Falcons. And from the, there, the momentum changed. The Panthers also fired Joe Brady, who's going to be hired. He said he wants to be in the NFL. He'll, he's going to be hired very quickly. Um, you gave him Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Cam Newton. And then the Panthers coming into this game, and Matt Rule says, well, we, we may look at playing a two-quarterback approach. And you know what they say. If you have two quarterbacks and you don't have one, and really you probably have at this stage of Ken Newton's career half a quarterback and what we've seen from P.J. Walker, a quarter of a quarterback. So they definitely don't have one between the two of them and a shared quarterback system. They didn't give Joe Brady a chance. The Panthers fall to 5-8. and eight. Again, with that seventh team, you don't want to rule anybody out. But from what we've seen from them, to me, this is this is that was the Panthers' season. You know, at home, Atlanta, a beatable team this year. The Panthers needed that one. Atlanta takes it. They moved to six and seven, still in the playoff picture. Matt Ryan, we don't know what's going to happen with him, so he's going to be playing hard already there. Whether it's to stay in Atlanta, maybe, or to get a contract with a different team. So look to see Atlanta be competitive the rest of the year. They got Cordell Patterson back. Kyle Pitts, rookie at tight end, has really come along the past three games. Veteran quarterback wins this game. Great win for Atlanta to keep their playoff hopes alive with Arthur Smith in his first year. Falcons move to 6-7, and seven, staying right in the hunt. I think the Panthers are done now at 5-8. and eight. Seahawks, Texans. The Texans announced that David Mills is the guy the rest of the year. They want to test him out and see if they have something there. So when they get a draft pick early in the first round, which they will, they can look at taking a defensive end. If David Mills isn't the guy, then they may have to look at taking a quarterback in a year of a weak quarterback draft. From a Texans team that's had terrible personnel moves, I actually think this is incredibly smart. We already know how weak of a quarterback class this is. And so even with a top five pick, Mm, there's no shoe-in guy that you're going to get that really you could say, hey, maybe better than David Mills. Let's give him a few weeks. Let's give him those first-team reps and a chance to prove us something. 33 of 49 for 331 yards and a touchdown. Any quarterback outside of Brady, Mahomes, and we've seen it with Josh Allen when they have to throw 49 times, chances are you're not going to be very successful. I thought it was overall a pretty good game for David Mills, especially with the pressure of knowing he's competing for his job next year. But it wasn't even close to enough as the Seahawks routed the Texans 33-13. to Seattle goes to 5-8. The Texans fall to 2-11. and 
in true Seahawk fashion, it was a really slow start. 16-13 at the half, we have a game. And then the second half comes and the Texans don't score any points. And Seattle's able to walk away with it relatively painless with Wilson going 17 for 28 and two touchdowns. And finding their running game with Penny, 137 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. To me, Seattle this year, we know what's going on with the drama of Russell Wilson wanting to be out. We don't know what's going on with Pete Carroll. That seventh playoff spot with them at 5-8, and eight, I wouldn't rule out Seattle to get back to 500 and maybe, maybe eke into that last spot. But again, this is a very bad Texans team, and they were only up 16-13 at the half. Seattle's falling into where I have Carolina, which is... I don't think they're really in the conversation for that seventh spot, even though it seems like it's just up for grabs with the teams around 500 and a game below 500 at this point. 16-13 and a half against a really bad Houston team to me says enough about where Seattle's at. But it's good to see David Mills with the pressure that he has and what Houston's trying to do to figure out next year, um, put up some good numbers and play well. I was hard on David Mills on this podcast last week. And so knowing what he's got facing him for him now, I'm now a David Mills fan. I'm rooting for him to do well and win this job. Really happy to see him throw for over 300 yards and no interceptions today. This may end up being a David Mills podcast, depending on how the rest of the year goes. Lions Broncos. On behalf of the all around five for this week, I will apologize for the Lions money line pick. They had a big COVID bout. They didn't have DeAndre Swift, a bunch of other starters, and they were just routed by the Broncos 38-10. to 10. Melvin Gordon had a huge game with 111 yards rushing and two touchdowns. But the unfortunate story in this game was the passing of wide receiver Demarius Thomas. The news broke at the end of this week. Um, longtime Bronco, won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. And it was a really nice start to the game. The Broncos did a nice tribute. They came out with 10 guys to honor him. They had his number painted on the sideline. Really sad um, with seeing Demarius Thomas pass away at such a young age. There's a really great story out there um, about his journey to the NFL and his mom um, that was done with ESPN. And, you know, when he was a young kid, um, some of the stuff that he went through with uh, his mom and his grandma both going to jail. Um, I recommend reading about it um, and his journey, um, but really sad to hear the news of the passing of uh, Demarius Thomas. Giants Chargers. The all-around five with a rebound gave this one out. The Chargers over the Giants. The Giants tried a backdoor cover late at the end, but luckily we have the biggest neck in football with Mike Lennon playing, and he threw a terrible interception. The Chargers hold on and most importantly cover in a 37-21 win. Justin Herbert made a ridiculous throw in this game. We know the arm talent that he has and just some of the uncanny things that he can do that we talk about with Mahomes and Josh Allen and the athletic nature of these guys. Herbert was clicking. Austin Eckler was running the ball, kind of found his feet again in some holes. He was able to score a touchdown. This Chargers team now is at 8-5. and five. This AFC West is going to be very interesting. A huge Thursday night game coming up with them and the Chiefs will most likely decide who takes that division, who can get a home playoff game. Both teams peaking at the right time of year. Again, the Chargers, new head coach, 
finding their way this time of year. Can't wait for Thursday for Chargers Chiefs both peaking at the right time. 49ers Bengals. The theme of this NFL Sunday was continuing right along in this game with just pure blowouts. Bengals come back. Joe Burrow brings them back to tie it. The 49ers after George Kittle, who had 151 yards and a touchdown in this game, high points the ball to make an incredible catch. Phil Dawson can't hit the field goal. They put up one of those I'm going to jinx you graphics. Absolutely had no chance after they did that on the television broadcast. Shame on Fox for that. Bengals get a field goal. You're like, eh, Grappler really going to bring him down and get a touchdown? Probably not. Not looking good. The Bengals somehow going to win this. They were point and a half favorites. I had the Niners about to be another bad beat. Jimmy Garoppolo finds Brandon Ayu from ASU who gets in the end zone to score and they win the game 26-23. Huge win for the Niners who get to 7-6 to get into that battle of 500s, just above 500 teams for the last spot or two in the NFC. The Bengals join the Ravens in losing, which is huge because nobody wants to win the AFC North this year. They're also 7-6. They got a second life, felt like a really felt like a chance there for Joe Burrow and the Bengals to steal one after they were out of that game most of the day. Jamar Chase seemed to find it again too, which is good. Um, getting back in the end zone after a couple of rough drops last week, including one that led to an interception. The Niners hold on. NFC playoff picture, that last wild card spot's gonna be incredibly interesting, along with the AFC North, which no team seems to be able to figure out what they can do. To win that division. Bills Bucks. Turned out to be a really strong finish to the day. The Bucks were up 24-3. All Sunday just really blowouts galore. Josh Allen brings them back. Forces overtime. But Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. The Bills were getting three and a half. I had the Bills. It's only fitting that Brady on a drag route. Gets taken to the house for the Bills to win 33-27. Another bad beat for your boy. But I go back to the end of regulation in the fourth quarter. The Bills had the ball. They were down by three. It was 27-24 bucks. Third and two. They're moving the ball in the air down the whole drive. The worst play in football is the goal line fade. You have a quarterback that can run. Big, strong. Dawson knocks a tight end who's owning the middle of the field. Stefan Diggs. What do you do? Don't throw a fade. Anything but a fade. Brian Dable. Everybody, he's so creative. Look what he's doing with Josh Allen. No, no way this guy's going to throw a fade. He throws a fade. And people are saying, oh, they missed a pass interference call in the end zone. Flag or no flag. Don't throw a fade in the end zone on third and two when you can win the game and put Tom Brady away. From that call alone, Buffalo deserved to lose the game, which they do. They've, they've been in a couple close ones this year. They haven't been able to figure them out, which tells me they're probably just not quite ready. It seems like ever since they won Kansas City, which seemed like their Super Bowl, that's all they were working on this offseason was what can we do to beat Kansas City? They beat Kansas City. Since then, they haven't been able to eke out a couple of these games, which really good teams do. Tom Brady fashion, the Bucks move to 10-3. and three. The Bills fall to 7-6 and six already with a loss to New England, who, are, who was on a bye this week. 
really puts them in the driver's seat for that AFC East, and they continue to drive for that one seed. To me, Buffalo showed a lot of grit coming back down 24-3. But you can't call a fade third and two in the goal line when you have Josh Allen maybe four down territory to try and put Brady and the Bucks away. Instead, you call a fade, kick a field goal, give Brady another chance in overtime, and he does what Brady does, which is throw a touchdown, and the Bucks end up covering. That's going to do it for this episode of the All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at All Around Guy Podcast One. You can write into the show at All Around Guy Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and making this show a part of your day. We'll talk to you again soon.